today we're last week we started just this small little series last week and today and tonight have a little bit just a short little message tonight before we pray over people's visions and as she said really encourage you to to write it down and and I encourage you to write things down that maybe you're not even sure about and I believe today my message I'm going to talk to you more in a personal way about some things regarding vision that maybe normally I wouldn't I wouldn't talk about or or go into regarding things within myself and vision that God has given me for myself, my wife and I, my family, um, things that God has told us through the years. And, and, and I, I feel like it's important that you hear some things that, I've, that, that I want to share with you that um, I believe will help you to tap into what true vision you know, truly is. And, and I want to I give you one word in defining vision today. One word. Just one. Just one simple word. And it's short. And you've heard it before. But it's just one. Everybody say one. Just one word. Okay? And, and you're going to hear it throughout every verse of Scripture that we read. Vision today is defined as seeing. Seeing. Being able to see. And, and what we're talking about today is there is vision that you can create and develop from these eyes. And then there's vision that you can create from these eyes. And today, the title of our message is Spiritual Vision. And Understanding Spiritual Vision. And before I jump into that, I want to read a testimony from Rebecca and David Huffaker. And uh, this is a great testimony of theirs in their life and, and what happened with them in 2020. At the beginning of 2020, during Word First, the word we got for the year was perfect and complete. How many know that? Amen? We, we, haven't, we haven't thrown that out. We're still being made aware of that, even even into this new year as we're talking about new things, but, but perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That, and they got that. They got a hold of that. I had no idea how true that would be for us. For the last seven years, David and his brother have been training horses, and their dream is to own show professional cutting horses. In January 2020, they found a horse for sale in Colorado that would be the perfect horse. It just so happened that my dad had given us a horse trailer that he didn't need anymore, and we were able to sell it for exactly the amount we needed, and three days after finding the, the, the horse online, we were off to Colorado to buy this horse we had only seen pictures of. We brought the horse home, and the training began. Before long, David had it on his heart to buy her sibling that was, a, that was being born in the spring of 2020. So you, you, in buying horses, I mean, the, 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 the bloodline is important, right? When you get a good horse, you want the bloodline. But you're going to pay some money for it, right? I mean, just in the natural. I got a friend that buys horses, and he just told me a little bit about it. Not like I know anything about it. <laughs> anyway, but that's what I, you know, I thought I'd throw in there and show you how smart I am about horses. Anyway, <clears throat> um, by this time, the pandemic had started, and we didn't know how things were going to turn out. We'd been living with David's father for the past two years, and I wanted my own house. So that was Rebecca saying this. It was a struggle. Hey, you know, some of us guys, we could live in, in a camper shell on the, in the back of a truck. You understand? But our wives want a house. Yes. Amen. So... <clears throat> It was a struggle for me personally because I knew these horses were a dream coming true for David. Gosh, this is good. I didn't see how we could get both, the house and the horses. When I prayed about it, the Lord told me to be still and to trust my husband. You know what's unique about that? Is that 
you have to be a husband that can be trusted. For God to say that to a wife, you have to be a husband that can be trusted. I had no idea how hard that would be. (laughs) I love it. Dave and I agreed that we would buy the baby horse he wanted as long as we could sell the horses we owned and make enough to pay for her. So during the strangest year I've ever seen, we were able to sell five horses, have enough money to buy the baby horse, and her half-brother also in Colorado. At the end of 2020, we had paid off all student loan debt, bought $25,000 worth of horses, debt-free, made $10,000 worth of improvements on our property, debt-free, bought a tiny house and moved out of my father-in-law's house and started a new career in the school system. I know that without God's provision and my husband's husband's God-given vision, none of what we accomplished would have been possible. For us, 2020 was a year of perfect completion. Man. Do you see how important it is to share these? The one I read of the Lamans earlier, and then to read this, to hear the goodness of God. Listen, listen, and this isn't, this isn't just a one-time thing. This happens because we stay pressed into the things of God. That's vital. You understand? It's not just, yeah, okay, this happened, and, and then we just kind of forget God, and we, we kind of go along. No, it's we press into God even more. Because why would we want it to just be this and that's it? No, we want more and more and more from God, but because He's our Father and He wants it for us. I'm telling you, God wants these things for you. He wants good things for you. But... These go right in line with what I'm sharing today about you have to see the things of God. True vision from God is seen. Proverbs 29 and verse 18, and I'm going to read this out of the New King James, <clears throat> says, where there, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. I said this to you last week. Keeping the law is not the law of the Old Testament. That law now is the word of God and the liberty and the freedom that goes with it. Happy is he who keeps the word of God, who sees. Um, I want to read this same verse in the message translation. And it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He is revealing, what He reveals, they're most blessed. The New King James said, they're happy. They're most blessed. They're happy. So, I'm just going to say this to you, and don't take it personally, But if you're not happy, you need to be pressing into and understanding God's way of doing. Listen, happy people have stuff. Happy people that are happy with the things of God actually sometimes can have more disagreeable situations going on in their lives and around them than people that are not. So happy doesn't mean everything's perfect. Happy means there is a fulfillment that when the blessing of the Lord is on your life, no matter what you're going through today, God is leading you through it. See, that's what causes you to be happy. Listen, he brought me through this. Man, he's taken me to the new place to another place through this situation and that. See? But that comes from seeing clearly. Seeing clearly. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. 
while we do not look at the things which are seen with these eyes, now watch, I saw something about this verse just as I was studying it in the last few weeks. I saw something about this that just personally I'd never seen. Maybe you've seen this before, but I, I just never saw it quite like this. But it, it goes so much with what we're, what we're looking at today. While we, look, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen with these eyes, but seen with these. In other words, not moved by the natural circumstances, but this knowing on the inside of things that are not seen out here yet, but I've already got them in here because I'm with Him. And whatever He's promised, He'll do, even if it's during a pandemic. I know the Lamans in the, in the property that they sold, because we were in agreement with them for many years, many years. And there were like, I want to say close to half a dozen times, maybe not that many, maybe four or five, when it looked like they had that property sold through the years, and it didn't sell. And during a pandemic, huh, during a pandemic, they sold a piece of property, paid their house off, right? And that piece of property sold for what they wanted to get out of it. It wasn't like, you know, they just settled and compromised and just took whatever they... No, no, no. They, they got what they wanted from that piece of property during a pandemic. When people were laid off and people weren't doing anything, right in the middle of the time we weren't even having church, they sold it. <laughs> just God. Did you hear what I said? So, so, it did. so we're not moved by what we see out here. Well, you know, they could have got really discouraged after the fourth time and it didn't actually sell. But I'll just testify for them that I saw them get stronger. No, God promised he'd sell this. They got stronger. That, does that mean that they never got discouraged and there wasn't times of discouragement and frustration no everybody has emotions and everybody feels those kind of thing they just chose not to give in to that see and that's why the house is sold today when you give in to those things what what can happen is well just forget it i'm just gonna i'm gonna cut the price a hundred thousand dollars and just get rid of it no they stood and they stood and they stood because they saw something they saw something in here not moved by what they saw out here. They saw something in here that caused it to come to fruition. God will do everything he said he will do. Amen? In the book of Luke, in the NIV, in Luke 1 and verse, I think it's 37, no word from God will ever fail. That's why we have to see clearly and we have to know what God is saying. That's what our message is about today. <clears throat> I want to say this to you. Faith and vision are connected. When you have vision and you see clearly, then the faith you have is what causes that to come to fruition. That's why we have to have our lives connected to what God's Word says and learn how to never be moved, ever. Everybody say never. That we have to learn how to never be moved by what we see or how something appears to be. Because those things we see with our natural eyes, they're the liars from the enemy trying to convince you God can't do what he promised. But if I stay connected to him through his word, he'll always do it. It just sometimes, well, no, 101 times out of 101... It's never when we want it. <laughs> I mean, things I believe God for, they never came when I thought I needed them. And that's another piece of my message today, because if you're not prepared, if you're not seeing clearly, if you're just seeing for yourself, if you're just seeing things about yourself based on natural things and you're not seeing internally, you're not ready for what God has for you. I like our, I'm going to read 
the prayer out of Ephesians 1 that we pray all the time, but I'm going to read it out of the message translation. I really like this. Everybody look at it up here and let's, let's read it. Um, Ephesians 1 and verse starting with verse 15. <clears throat> I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for us. Followers owe the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy and boundless strength. Go back to the first part of that. <clears throat> so he said, and, and you know, I've, I've, in, in my praying time, I've kind of changed some of the way I pray for you and for the people I pray for daily. These, in, this is one of the prayers that I pray. And I, I, I've begun to change it with some of this wording here because I really like what is defined here about the glory of God. You know, in one, tra- in one of the translations, you know, it's talking about that God's glorious image would be revealed. But I like what he says here, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally and your eyes focused and clear so you, that you can see exactly what it is that he is calling you to do. That's vision. I said, just leave that up there for a moment. That's vision. What I just read right there, that's vision. I'm going to say it again. That's vision. I, I don't know personally anything more difficult for me through the years than learning and developing how to hear God and know these kinds of things personally. Why? Why is it that way? Why was that difficult? Because I was about myself. And before I got born again at about 18 years old, nobody ever taught me anything from the Word. You don't just hear one message and all of a sudden you're totally transformed and everything's right. It took me years I, I mean, I, I brought, when I came into the kingdom of God, man, I brought all kinds of baggage. And just the moment you get born again spiritually, the stuff in your head and your soul and your mind, your will and emotions, those things aren't gone. That's the, bra- the baggage that you bring in. But being born again now empowers you to receive the word of God so that you begin to get rid of the things of the past and begin to change into the new person that is ready for the things of God to accomplish and and know exactly what he's called you to do. And and I'm talking about in here. You understand? I, I, I was raised... You, you, most of you know this, some of you that are new may not, but I was raised in a, in a golfer's house. My dad was a golf pro, my parents divorced at a young age, but I stayed with my dad and that's, that was my life. Golf was my life, it was everything to me. It was a God to me, it was, it was, it, it, it's the only thing that brought peace to my life. I would, there would be times when I was like 14, 15 years old when, when, I was troubled, so troubled, and I would go to the golf course and I would go and lay down at night on one of the greens on my dad's course because it was such a place of peace for me. And I'd sleep on that green all night long because I had no way of finding answers for what was going on in my life. Confused, tormented, 
I went to drugs and alcohol and things like that, trying to get answers and fulfillment in my life. And it wasn't there. I didn't even like the drugs and alcohol. I just did them because the, that, that seemed like that, that medicated me to the point that, to, to the place that I could kind of get through day to day. But golf was my savior. And when I got born again, right before my 18th birthday, something transformed in me. And you know what? You know what happened with me? I started not liking golf. And man, that was my go-to. That was my, that was my security blanket, you know? That was my pacifier. <laughs> you know? Oh, I can't get rid of that. You, you understand? I mean, that, that was, I, I needed that. But I didn't like it. And then I started not playing very good. And I struggled with it. And, and, and the reason was that wasn't God's vision for my life. He's used it since I realized it took me a few years. And I fought to keep it. Oh, man, I fought. I got to keep that thing. No, 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 And what happens is a lot of times people try to keep things that they think they're called to do when God has something better. But till you can see that, you'll never release it. And people think, why, why has God not done this for me? Because you're not ready for it. And one of the best indicators is, are you happy? The only true happiness comes from keeping the Word of God. You can't be happy anywhere else. No person, no man, no woman, no human being on planet earth can make you happy. Not anything you have, not possessions of any kind can make you happy. But you keeping the word of God. Why? Because the word said it. We just read it. Nothing. So you ain't happy? Ben, you don't have to have me tell you, well, you're not doing, you're not keeping the word. So just develop more of a relationship in keeping the word of God. Develop daily routines like we've taught about here, how the importance of that, it, it'll, it'll bring you to a new place and new insight and you'll begin to see things so that when you see clearly, when you see clearly, you can have the things that you see. You can have the things that you see. <clears throat> vision is developed from one mindset to the next. Now, I want to, I want to read this to you. I really like this in the New Living Translation. It's Romans 12, 2. And it says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Don't copy them. I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you because I can speak for the church. Everybody say, I love the church. Man, I love the church. It's his church. God's building that. But I'll just tell you this. The church that I've been a part of now for 42 years, in the last 15 to 20 years, the church spent a lot of time, at least the church that I've been connected to and people... The church spent a lot of time trying to take the customs of the world and make them relative in the church. Now, there's some things out there that you can, you can copy and, and, and take them and it'll work in the church, but across the board, the stuff out there won't work. You know why? Because God created you and I to be creative. God created you and I to be creative people. God wants the inventions. I'm not saying everybody in the church is that way. I'm just saying a lot of the copycat kind of things didn't produce a lot of, of true liberty and freedom and deliverance in people's lives. God doesn't want us to be copycats. Did you hear what I said? He doesn't want us to copy things. He wants us to create new things. Because we hear him and we do the things that he says. That's to me the key. But it said, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do I have that in the new? Yeah. 
by changing the way that you think. Then, watch this, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You'll begin to know the will of God, which is the vision God has for you that you, He wants you to see. You'll begin to know that. But how? By being transformed and changed. By changing the way that you think. There's much suffering that people go through. And I'm going to read this story of, the, of, of Saul who became the Apostle Paul on his Damascus Road experience. And I want to show you something in a moment about how vital that it is to understand that there is great suffering that goes on in the life of a Christian. There's great suffering. Not physical suffering of sickness and disease. Not great suffering of poverty and those type of things. Jesus liberated us and set us free. But there's a suffering that goes on in the form of our thinking that we have to embrace and realize God is taking us out of something and bringing us into something new. That's where vision manifests. And I want to read... Um, <clears throat> I want to read this, but I want, I want you to think about this. If you're sitting there today and there's some things that you don't like, There's some things that maybe are, are not good, and, and maybe, maybe there's something in your life that seems like it's the worst, this situ, maybe a situation that's like the worst situation that you've ever experienced in your life. I'm here to encourage you today that if you'll tap into spiritual insight, today could be the worst day of your life from here on out. If you've had, if something is not good in your life at the moment, this could be the end of worst. This could be the end and the beginning of something new. You could begin to go from right here on by pressing into the things we're talking about today and seeing things of the past that from, to, from today past that have not been good. That could be the end of that. No more of it. This is a long story. This is 19 verses, but I'm going to read it. It's Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the, to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Paul believed in God. He just didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He just didn't believe that Jesus was the one coming to save all of mankind. He said, he said, uh, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. He said, trembling and astonished. Uh, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He didn't say that Saul was blind, but when he opened his eyes, all he saw was the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my eyes are open right now, and I can see, you know, 
light through my fingers, but my eyes are open and I can see, but I can't see. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, uh, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he said to him, The Lord said in a vision, the Lord said in a vision, the Lord said to Ananias, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will, what's the next word? Everybody say show. I will show him many things he must suffer for my namesake. I will show him many things. I'm going to come back to that. I'm just going to finish these couple of verses. And Ananias went his way, and he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. There fell from his eyes something like scales. There was something over his eyes where he couldn't see. And he received his sight at once, and he rose and and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples. But um, he said, when Ananias asked God about that, he said, For I will show him many things that he must suffer for my namesake. And you know, in that very situation right there, Saul changed his vision from being moved by what he saw to being moved by something he couldn't see. The vision that God gave Paul was how much that he was going to suffer for the name of the Lord. Many times when we read that passage, we think about all of the things that happened to Saul, that that was his suffering. The things that he was in deaths often and many things came against him as a result of ministering the word. And that that there's part of that. But I really believe, based on uh, about a half a dozen other passages of Scripture, that I really believe what, what was talked about here is that Paul was shown how that your thinking is off. Paul had a passion for God. He had a passion to bring converts into believing in the, the God of Israel. But he was off in his thinking. And God spent 15 plus years with him before he was ready for the ministry that he had been called to to operate in. And what happened during those 15 years? There was a lot of suffering going on in the extraction of one way of thinking to another way of thinking. Thinking like the world thinks and the ideas of the world versus how God sees it all. And that's why when, he, when, when Saul heard that voice, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're coming after. In other words, you've got the wrong vision. You're doing the wrong thing. 
in this passage of Scripture, we see here the importance of having a personal daily visitation of the Word of God. The light that was over his eyes is that same light that is revealed in our hearts when we spend time in the Word of God, when we give time to that Word. Happy is he who keeps the Word, right? Most blessed is the man, the woman that keeps the Word of God because of the light that begins to illuminate on the inside of us and causes our seeing to be clear so we have vision from God and not just vision we got because we liked what someone else was doing. He said, don't copy. Don't be a copycat. God doesn't want you copying things. He wants you to be so convinced of who you are and what he's called you to do. And until that comes to that place, it's, it's very difficult for God to release you in everything that he's called you to do. You have to be convinced of yourself. It's, it's not popular to teach people the word of God. It's not popular you know, because people want to hear something that's going to fix them overnight. That's just the way most of the world is. I mean, you know, I mean, who in here, you'd be lying if you're telling me you don't want to be fixed overnight. You don't want things just taken care of and all of it. Everybody wants that. But I've spent 42 years realizing it doesn't come like that. i got to see him first. I've got to have insight and understanding from him first before anything else. When I see him clearly, when I see things from a spiritual perspective clearly, there's no end to it. I, I was gone this week, had to be gone a number of times to help my father and some things going on with my, my, my earthly father and going, you know, just he's going through some struggles in his, with his mind, his body's he had a doctor's appointment this week, and the doctor said, you know, you're, you're stronger than most 50-year-olds. I mean, better shape, and I mean, there's nothing physically wrong with him. And the struggle is in his thinking and short-term memory and that type of thing. And I'm not declaring and speaking anything else over him. I'm just saying it, it, it's taking some of my attention and my time, and I've, you know, at times I've had to, to be there. But while I was there, now... When I say what I'm going to say for the next few minutes, this, this message may go just a little bit longer than I normally give because it's important that you get this. And when I come back tonight, I'll finish it in a shorter version. Um, but while I was there, it's my hometown. It's where I was raised. <clears throat> and most people knew me from the time I was, we moved there when I was, I think, one or two. And... Then I left there when I was 18. And so most people knew me from the old guy that wasn't saved and lived all the life I lived and all those kind of things. And, and through the years, because I've gone back a lot to deal with my, my, my dad and his wife, my stepmom, and different things have gone on since I've been there a lot, I've had a lot of opportunity just to allow the light of the gospel to shine from my life just in a real natural way. And when I was there this week, I had so many ministry opportunities that just, they just came to me, you know. And the reason that the ministry opportunities are there is because I believe in myself. But what I believe in in myself is the God that's in me. And I believe I have something that other people need. And, and if I'm saying that, if, if a person's saying that in pride, you have to deal with the pride. you got to get to the bottom of the pride. But you have to believe God has anointed you and called you to help people. And, and to have something on the inside of you that, that will change the world. Because I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> a confession I make over myself every day is that I'm living my life right now recreating myself, my marriage, my family, my church, my nation. I, I am, why, why should I sit around and wait for other people to make a difference in my nation when I'm called to do it? Now, I'm saying that, but what if I'm saying it to you. You understand? We're called to make a difference. 
But you have to believe that what you have on the inside is making that difference. Hearing and doing what God says, not just taking up the cause of some, you know, political stance or whatever that's out there, but taking up the cause of Christ. And whatever that is, if it's political or whatever it is, you're doing that because you're under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you see what you're called to do. Seeing is vital to having vision for yourself to accomplish on this earth what he put you here for. If you're not happy, you need to work on keeping the word. You need to work on developing a relationship with God through his word so that your eyes are open and they're clear and you can see clearly and see all that God has for you to do and to accomplish. Can you say amen to that? Take somebody like King David. When David was a young boy and Goliath was threatening the armies of Israel, David had a vision of a dead giant. Hmm? The rest of the, uh, uh, of, the, of the Israeli army had vision of them dying themselves. David had vision of a dead giant. And what happened as a result of that? He saw clearly from God that that giant had no way. And, and here's this little guy with this guy 10 feet tall weighing five, 600 pounds and could, I mean, crush David in the natural. It was an impossibility, but David had vision. It was something that looked impossible, but David had vision. And the vision daily you need to fulfill the purposes and plan God has given you and put you on this planet to accomplish comes from the Word of God. It comes from the seed of that Word being planted in you daily and giving you the clarity and the insight that you need to overcome every obstacle and lie telling you you can't do it. Oh, I, I, you know, that, that's never been done before. Oh, that, but, but what about that? No, no, I, I don't care. I don't care. I've pastored this church in July will be 32 years. My wife and I have pastored this church. In the first 10 years that I pastored this church, and I I told you today I'm just going to share a couple little things about it. In the first 10 years that I pastored this church, I was intimidated by people. I never told people that. I never said that. But I was intimidated because I hadn't taken ownership of what God had given me. The suffering that you go through is the changing of your thinking from one position to another position. A lot of people see themselves as just somebody that they were in high school and they're 50 years old. And they still see themselves as that little high school guy that did this or that and people didn't take you serious or whatever it was. A lot of people see themselves today like that. And until they change that thinking and come into who God really created them to be, they'll never overcome and never be in a position. Listen to me. God loves you. Everybody say that. God loves me. But it doesn't mean he trusts you. Okay? And that's not a bad thing. But you gotta, you got to decide, I need to be trusted by God. And I think the reason I feel the way I do is because I feel like God doesn't trust me. And He didn't. Because you're not developing a relationship with Him and coming into your own and becoming who He really created you to be. And the only way for that to happen, the only way for that to happen, is through the Word. The light of that Word. The light that changed Saul into the Apostle Paul. That light that then became a part of him for the next 15, 16, 17, 18 years. And then the rest of his time in ministry on planet Earth. That light was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he pinned everything that God showed him. And he gave it to us and we're reading it right now. And look what he said here in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17, my last verse. 
For the Lord is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 in the New Living Translation. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Everybody do this to yourself. Spirit of God is in me. Okay. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there's freedom. There's freedom in me. Hmm? Whom the Son sets free is free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. He said, I'm free, because the Spirit of God is in me. See? But I've got to draw from what's in me. I've got to draw from that. And that's why it takes not just the Spirit of God, but the Word of God, not just the Word of God, but the Spirit of God to reveal the Word of God that is going into me. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. But how did that all come about? So all of us, in that second verse, in that next part of that first verse, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see. What was over the Apostle Paul's eyes was removed and he could see. But man, when he opened his eyes then, it was a new scene. And every day, you allow the veil to be removed so that you're not seeing with these eyes, but you're beginning to see with these eyes. And when you see here, then you have vision from God that will lead you on a path that nobody can stop. When, when I was in the first 10 years that I pastored, a lot of people, a lot of people, and there was nothing wrong with it, I mean, it's, it's what they wanted, but a lot of people were looking for my approval for things that they wanted to do, whether it was in the church or something else in business or doing this kind of thing. People would look for my approval. And I felt pressured even when inside of me I knew that wasn't quite right or something was wrong, I, I, I just kind of went along with it because I was intimidated. I don't know that I've ever said that before. I've pastored for almost 42 years and I've never said that when I started doing this, I was intimidated by people. But it's the truth. And there was a lot of suffering involved. And I had to be extracted, that intimidation had to be extracted, and the confidence had to be built in me to where today, I, you, everybody say, pastor loves me. But if you don't show up, I'm still standing here. See, I'm not intimidated. I know I have something, what I've preached to you today, you know, you, you may be able to hear this message preached in a more eloquent, eloquent way by someone else, or I, I don't know, whatever. But nobody believes it any more than me, what I preach to you today. You understand? But, but if you don't, don't want to come here, I don't want you to be here. For your sake, not me. I'm not like I want somebody to leave. I love everybody that's here. But I'm so okay with who I am and what I'm doing. I used to think that if the church number-wise wasn't at least a thousand people that were, were failures. I mean, I, I don't know where I got that thinking. So I drove and worked and, and, and labored to try to grow the church. And one day God said to me, you're trying to grow the church in numbers, but you're not growing people up. Oh. And when I, before I came here, when I lived in the valley and all the things that I did, that's all I did. I helped grow people up. All I did was help grow people. And I came here, and I took over this responsibility here, and this pressure was on my shoulders to perform and be something that in the natural it looked like. And all of a sudden, this veil was over my eyes, and God said, until you remove that through the, with the Word of God, you'll, you'll always be laboring to be something when I've called you to be who you're called to be and you've got to be that. 
And I'm, the only reason I'm sharing that with you today is you don't have to labor to do anything. You have to know God. You really have to know him and allow him to reveal to you what his plan is for your life. And whatever needs to be tweaked or changed or this a little here or whatever, just know. If there's something that you're not allowing him to tweak, you're not going to see what you want to see from him. Now, you can go make something happen. You can go try to force something and try to create something yourself. But if you're not letting him daily tweak your life and show you things about you that need to change, then you're not ready for what he wants to do. He can't trust you. didn't say he didn't love you. I'm saying he can't trust you in that area. And he would rather see you wait until you get it than for you to get something that's going to destroy you. Man, that's my God. Hmm? And that's the God you have that you want to serve and you want to be convinced of all the days of your life. Can you say amen to that? So, <clears throat> the thing I, that I believe is important, and make sure you have your little vision cards or in your phone or whatever, but we're going to pray and prophesy over you tonight in a supernatural way, and I want you to come. I've got something that I'm going to end my message with, or just a short little message before we pray over you that I believe will bless you. And, and take what I've said today and maybe even adjust and change some things that you feel are down inside of you that you've thought before, well, that can never come to pass. Oh, yeah, it can. Oh, yeah, it can. But, and, and I hate to say it, I hate to say this, but we, the devil's not your worst enemy. You're your worst enemy. I hate to say it, but I'm saying you, me, all, all of us. Things that we won't change is the worst enemy against our lives, not the devil. The devil's defeated. Can you say amen? I mean, he's involved in it, lying and doing all kinds of crud, trying to get you to believe things that are not true. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, you're your worst enemy if you're not pressing into the things of God. Man. I'm telling you, when, when, I, think of, when I think of the Huffaker's testimony and the Lamont's testimony that we read today, all of that, listen to me, oh man, they paid that off and they got debt free here or this thing happened or that or whatever, something that you're believing God for. God is no respecter of person. What he's a respecter of is developed faith that keeps going. The only difference in the Lamonts and some other people I could, I, I could mention that I know of personally, that things haven't worked out in their lives, I'm talking about that are not here and they're not growing or whatever, that I, that I just know personally. The only difference in them and the Lamonts, they just didn't quit. That's it. It's not, you know, 15 things that are so brilliant about them and, and these other people are a bunch of losers. No, that's not it. No. I mean, they're brilliant people and they do good things. I'm just saying, they just didn't quit. That's it. You don't quit? <laughs> you get it. It comes in. Your ship comes in if you just don't quit. And in the not quitting, you stay pressed in. You stay looking at the things of God. Your vision gets clearer and clearer and clearer. So you're seeing almost like with a second set of eyes in the natural realm. Everywhere you look, you know when something's not totally right. No, that's not what God wants for me. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how much of a raise it was. I don't care about this, that, or the other. No, I'm not doing that. Or vice versa. Yeah, I'm doing that because it was a great raise, but I got peace on the inside. I'm taking it. You understand? That's the vision God has for you and me in our lives. And I'm telling you, we're, we're not going under. We're going over. And you can't go under for going over when you're connected to the things of God. 